What's up, everybody? Welcome into Wiregrass Daily News Sports. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of the Woods Football on 96.9. The legend. Got a fun show playing for you guys this week. We're going to be talking about Alabama, Auburn, and Troy coming off last weekend, week three of college football. We will talk about the Auburn Tigers, 45-13 to win over Sanford. The Troy Trojans falling 14-16 to to James Madison and falling to 1-2 and on the season. And Alabama's struggle win against South Florida, 17-3. And in the Alabama segment, a little different this week, going to have a guest, uh, Brandon Eisman, who covers the South Florida Bulls from SoFlo Bulls, uh, the website covering that team. He'll be on. He was there. He was in the press box. We will talk about this game, and we'll talk about Alabama and what are their issues. And then after all that, kind of give you an update and – so announcements, also stuff that's going to be going down with this show. But before we do all that, let you guys know where you can find me and the podcast. You can find me on social media at PJordanSCC. Podcasts are available over at WiregrassDailyNews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Right, we're going to leave things off talking about the Auburn Tigers and their 45-13 to win over Sanford on Saturday night. They are now 3-0 on the year, and now they're gearing up. That was kind of like those three games. And we went through it before the season said, hey, you got to beat Cal. You should beat UMass and Sanford. Be 3-0 and when you go into the game with Texas A&M. I get to my pick on that in just a second. But looking at Auburn this past Saturday, they did what they were supposed to. They took care of business, 145-213. But it wasn't without some struggles, but also a lot of accomplishments, too for Auburn in this one. And looking at the performance from quarterback Peyton Thorne, 24 for 32, 282, one touchdown. He ran for 123 yards, and he also had two touchdowns on the ground. And looking at this, and a big criticism I had had uh, with the offense the first two games with Hugh Freeze is the way they've been using the quarterbacks with Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne. And I have been of the mindset that I do not think they've been doing Peyton Thorne any favors the first two games. Because, look, Peyton Thorne is brand new to Auburn. He wasn't there in the spring. And he's still getting acclimated to the offense and to his receivers. So he needs as many reps in these early games as possible before the SEC schedule starts, which, again, is this Saturday when they go to play Texas A&M. Didn't see that. It was pretty much predominantly the first three quarters was Peyton Thorne. There was late, or not late, but a part in the third quarter uh, where they did go to Robbie Ashford for a goal line situation. But pretty much this was Peyton Thorne's show. And a tremendous performance. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, it's Sanford. You, sh- you should play well against them. But and like I said, 24 of 32, 282, one touchdown. Now, he did throw the two interceptions. And on both of those intersections, they could have been avoided. The first one, our first drive of the game, he moved the ball all the way down the field. You get to the one-yard line, and you throw it three straight times. Now, there was a penalty there back to much of the six. But still, you get to the one, run the ball. But it was also evidence Auburn wanted to throw the ball in this one. So you can't really look at Auburn's rushing stats. Oh, man, Auburn's running games in trouble. Not really. Just they, they were airing it out on purpose. You could tell that in this one. But – so Peyton Thorne went on a rollout, and instead of on third down, instead of just throwing the ball away, kick a field goal, and that'd be fine. Go up 3-0, first position of the game. That's fine. 
He forced it into coverage, and he got tipped in here, intercepted. And then later on in the first half, he got another opportunity at midfield, and Auburn ran vertical routes. But they did have one receiver going over the middle, and he was open for a first down. Just throw it to him. They got a first down. Easy new set of downs. But no, Peyton Thorne went deep with it, got intercepted. Now, overall, the game, outside of that, he played really well. The offense was in a good flow. They didn't score in the first quarter, but they were in a good flow. So that, to me, is something Peyton Thorne needs to get better at. He needs to just, you know, just calm down a little bit. Just slow it down and just let the game come to him. Now, the Auburn defense made plays once again, had a few interceptions in the contest. Um, Let's see. Jalen Simpson, he had one, and then so did J.D. Rim. Uh, Jalen Simpson stepped in front of a pass. It really looked like it was one of them deals where easily you would see in a corner and maybe just come from over the back of the receiver. But, no, he just went right to the ball. He beat him to the ball to get the interception. Uh, J.D. Rim had a pretty good pick there, too, as well. Uh, Other stats on the defense side of the ball for Auburn. Uh, They didn't really get a lot of sacks, only two sacks in the game. But Sanford has – a quick-release offense. Uh, but defensively, they held them down pretty well in the game. Sanford did not have a whole bunch of yards. Uh, total yards, they had 218, 144 in the air, only 74 on the ground, Auburn forcing a turnover. So we saw some good things there. But now we will see the Auburn Tigers kind of step up at, uh, in weight class uh, when they take on Texas A&M this Saturday. And uh, for my prediction on that game, I think Texas A&M does beat Auburn. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, but I would probably say Texas A&M wins this one 27-24. All right, so let's jump into Troy, who fell to 1-2 and two on the season with a 16-14 to 14 loss to James Madison. And Troy just struggled on the ground in this game. And a lot of it was – with sacks on Gunnar Watson. He got sacked six times for a loss of 44 yards. Kamani Vidal only had 11 carries in the game for 27 yards. In a close game like this, 16-14, he needs to be more involved. He needs to be more of the focus of the offense because if Gunnar Watson is throwing the ball as many times as he did in this one, which was 46 times, that's not a recipe for a win for Troy. Now, he did go 25-46, 333 yards, Two touchdowns, one interception, but that Troy needs to be riding the run game and their defense. And the receivers had a good day. Uh, Chris Lewis, again, four catches, 94 yards. Jabree Barber from Dothan, six catches for and one touchdown, 89 yards. And Devontae Ross had six catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And like I said, James Madison got to him six times. Their quarterback played well. Uh, Jordan McLeod was 17-25, one touchdown, and zero interceptions they didn't run the ball great 103 but just short with the sacks and having to really rely on the passing game really did troy in in this one uh, they trailed 16 to 7 entering the fourth quarter uh they uh they got within two when watson led an eight play 63 yard drive um that concluded with a touchdown pass to Jabri Barber. Just mentioned him there. And Troy had an opportunity. He went on a 10-play, 47-yard drive, but eventually led uh, Gunnar Watson incomplete pass on a 4th and 15 with 34 seconds left. So Troy starts 1-2 and two for the second year in a row. At this point last year, they lost that heartbreaker to Appalachian State. Then they rolled off 
all the wins they did last year to get to be the Sun Belt champion and win their bowl game. So now when you look at Troy, what's next going forward? And they do play Western Kentucky and Austin Reed, a tremendous quarterback there. This is an 11 o'clock game that will be on ESPNU. So Troy will be back on national television once again. Uh, This will be one of many games I'll be paying attention to at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Saturday at 11 is usually kind of my easy into it, but uh, not this one. Troy, they are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They won this game last year against them. The over-under is 58-and-a-half. I say I am going to go with the Troy Trojans to win a close one here. They win with their running game, defense, and Gunnar Watson. Doesn't have to throw the ball 46 times, and uh, he makes enough plays for Troy to win the game. All right, now we are going to talk about Alabama to close out the show and do a little something different than we normally do here on the Wiregrass Daily News Sports. It's usually just me giving you guys my thoughts, occasional coach audio from coaches, but – uh, I have a guest, a guy that was in the press box covering the Alabama-South Florida game. He wasn't covering Alabama. He's covering South Florida. He writes for the SoFloBulls.com, cover the South Florida Bulls. And uh, that is a uh, Wiregrass resident, Brandon Eisman. How's it going, Brandon? Uh, welcome into the Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Hey, Philip. It's going great. Thank you for having me on. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, tell, tell the folks about uh, the website you write for. Yeah, uh, SoFlo Bulls, it was started by uh, Matt Minuri, a guy that graduated from USF. Um, He started it back in, I believe, 2014, I think. Um, And it's one of the best independent South Florida sites out there. The best, in my opinion. Um, I love writing for them. I was in Tampa for my first time ever this past weekend covering the game. It was a great experience. Um, even though the Bulls lost, I still had a ton of fun. But SoFlo Bulls is great. We have a lot of great content over there, a lot of great. I know, and you were telling me, too, that it was, you know, you've never seen just that many people, like, covering and all the different media and all the production trucks and stuff there. I mean, it was an ABC broadcast, but still uh, a lot of people were down there in Tampa to, to check this out. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Media, fans, it, it was crazy. It is the biggest game I've ever been to. And I covered the Troy North Texas New Orleans Bowl back in for the twenty seventeen season. And that wasn't even as big as this game last weekend was. It was surreal. Yeah, and going into it, you kinda figured, okay, Alabama got beat by Texas. So you kinda going into this one. A lot of people going into it, it when the season starts, okay, Alabama's going down there. There'll be more Alabama fans than South Florida fans. And then Alabama will just take care of business. And after Texas losses, okay, they're going to be ticked off. And uh, they're really just going to go down there and make an example out of South Florida. But that didn't happen because we got the news on Friday that Tyler Buckner uh, was going to be the start quarterback. And he struggled. Uh, Ty Simpson became second half. But it's just – it was – and then he had the rain delay and all that other stuff. It was just one of them deals where South Florida was not intimidated by Alabama. They played them tough defensively. Uh, they got some – Pretty cool uh, play from their quarterback, Byron Brown. Not necessarily through the air, only 87 yards there, but he ran for 92 yards. So they had some opportunities. Uh, Alabama did come out on top. Talent probably just overtook the game. But uh, what what was your overall thoughts on the game between South Florida and Alabama? Yeah, um, aside from the 54-minute weather delay, (laughs) it it was a good game. It, It went a lot better than I initially thought it was going to. I 
Bama was like a 33-point favorite entering the game. I was like, South Florida can at least cover the spread. I don't think they're going to win, but, you know, I think they can cover. Well, they did, um, only losing by 14, which surprised everybody. I, You know, from a defensive standpoint for USF, Daquan Evans had a field day with both Bama quarterbacks that played. He had three sacks. Those were his first three career sacks ever. And to get him in a game of that magnitude says something. Um, and then Jalen Shuler had a really good game. And then offensively, like you said, Philip, Byron Brown made some good plays. He kind of was running for his life at times during the game. Bama's D-line was getting through. But U.S. have had opportunities to, you know, when it when Bama was up 10-3, to they had an opportunity there in the second half to go to tie the game. Brown threw a long ball to the end zone to Michael Brown Stevens, and Stevens didn't cut like he was supposed to, and that's why the pass was intercepted, is what Brown said at the post-game press conference. Otherwise, the game would have been tied. Bama probably still would have won, but USF would have tied it. Um, you know, Philip, if you would have told me that going into halftime it was 3 nothing, USF, or 7-3, whatever the score was. When USF went up 3-0, I was like, there's no way this is real. Like, this is not real life right now. Alabama is not losing to South Florida. But it it was real. Um, It was great. The atmosphere was great. The 65,000 fans that were there were great. The weather delay, yeah, it was rough. But, look, the USF student section showed out through the entire game, really. Um, It it was just overall a great experience. Get to see Nick Saban coach in person was great. Obviously, the greatest coach in college football. Um, but from my from my outside perspective, it was a very good experience. Yeah, and you, know, you talk about some of the guys that had good performances. Alabama, uh, Jalen Schuler, eleven tackles, two solo. Then you talked about DeQuan Evans. Yeah, he talked about the three sacks, but he also had four tackles for losses, uh, eight total tackles for solo, and. That's kind of like you know people ask me and all the time stuff. So what's wrong with Alabama? I think everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. I mean, Buckner struggled. Uh, Ty Simpson came in second half. Um, he made some nice throws, but and then what Milro did against Texas. I mean, and Milro made some bad decisions. Two interceptions were bad. I am not excusing whatsoever. But Alabama can't pass block. That I think the run blocking is fine. It gets them by. The running backs can make something out of it. And so going into year, I was all about, you know, we talk about these quarterbacks all we want to, but people around them have to step up, the offense line and the wide receivers. And right now, Alabama wants to throw the ball. We saw it in the first half of that game. Buckner threw the ball, I think, was it 14 times? Uh, they had him back there to throw a lot. He missed – he was short on some passes. Uh, inaccurate at times, but also he didn't have a lot of time to throw, as you mentioned, South Florida guys. And I think that's the biggest issue Alabama has right now. It's not the quarterbacks. It's not the receivers. It's that offensive line because they cannot protect who's ever back there. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It's been the offensive line for Bama through the first three games of the season. And who knows how long it's going to continue that way. Um you know, you talk about Bama obviously wanting to throw the ball, and yeah, they did. Now, did Tyler Buckner look great? No, not at all. He was 5 of 14 for, I think, like 38 yards. Hence the reason he got benched in place of Ty Simpson. And then Simpson comes in, you know, makes good throws, obviously leads them to a win, but now Nick Saban has a decision to make at quarterback. Well, 
they might need to be making some decisions in offensive line too, because pass blocking is bad. Like you said, run blocking is okay, but to allow a team like South Florida to get through your offensive front like that is inexcusable. Alabama should not have allowed that to happen. And it just goes to show that they're either inexperienced or they're not being disciplined enough from a coaching standpoint, you know, from practice throughout the week. And if it continues, you know, Bama could end up slipping up a few more times this year. So they're going to have to get it together and get it together quickly. Yeah, they got Ole Miss this weekend, which Ole Miss is going to be fired up. You know Lane Kiffin's going to have some special stuff planned. And the thing goes to Alabama, too. We remember this. Alabama used to bully you. They lined up on the line of scrimmage, ran it down your throat defensively, and they're still good defensively. I mean, that, that's going to be what carries them this year is their defense and their running game. Alabama doesn't do that anymore. And I think it all ties back. So we remember when Lane Kiffin got Alabama's offensive coordinator. He changed – what Alabama did. They went away from that traditional pro-style offense, you know, two tight ends, a fullback, just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and go off of play action, which was working, but Nick Saban knew he needed to make a change because that's where college football was going. I kind of wonder is, did the fact that they went more pass-heavy make them soft? Because they kind of got away from their identity with Tua, with Mac Jones, with Bryce Young, and now I think they want to get back to that but I don't know if they can in just one year just because of the identity they set up as a passing team. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tough for Bama to get back there. I, I think they'll get there at some point. It's just obviously they're trying to get back to, you know, that point of where they were, you know, a couple of years ago. And it's not that the quarterbacks that they have aren't talented or skilled enough, you know, to lead them there. It's just that they're not getting the help they need, you know, in order to execute and make it happen. But on the flip side of that, Phillip, Bama has Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, who sealed the game for Bama. I mean, it was already pretty much over, but um, both of those guys, I thought, ran the ball really well for Bama. U.S. have had a tough time stopping McClellan, and then Roy Dell Williams came in, and U.S. have had a tough time tough time stopping him too um but just from a quarterback standpoint i I don't know where bama's gonna go from here who they're gonna pick i mean i know who i think they should go with um and that's obviously Jalen milrow i think he gives them the best chance to win and then maybe you throw ty simpson in as the immediate backup because i don't think tyler buckner is the answer to being the solidified backup to Jalen milrow um for obvious reasons after last weekend but if Bama doesn't figure this out quick, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, and now and you talk about the running backs. And on Saturday, Rodell Williams had 129, and Jace McKellen had 74. Total Alabama had 203 yards rushing in the game, and both touchdowns came from the ground. One, uh, they got a, a rush touchdown. You talk about Rodell Williams, and Ty Simpson got one too as well. So that's got to be the identity. They got to just lean on that and then go off some play action. And I, I think Jalen Monroe is the guy. I mean, apparently, I don't know if Greg McElroy said this or not, but somebody tweeted out, and I saw this on Monday, that Greg McElroy went on a show somewhere, and he said that Jalen Monroe did not handle it well sharing the reps with Buckner and Simpson. 
And then the fact is we we heard the rumors about the quarterback change Friday and it became official on Saturday at the game. Now people say, okay, we did see Milrow clapping hands, high-fiving at the quarterbacks. Well, Greg McElroy also said apparently that that was not the case during the week. So Milrow should be the guy, but he's got to have the right mindset too on this thing, be a team player. I mean, and, and that's that's the thing because that can sour with the rest of the team and then – you don't want your team kind of being divided with who should be quarterback. Miro should be the guy because, like you said, he gives them the best chance because when the pressure gets – at least he can get away from it. Buckner and Simpson are not as mobile as he is. So, we'll see. It's going to be interesting how this whole thing goes because, you know, it it is a thing with Alabama. We're not used to it. The last couple of quarterbacks have been really, really good. and They're all in the NFL. Hurts, uh, Bryce Young, Tua, and Max. So, We'll see. It's going to be interesting what the quarterback thing uh, comes down to. Uh, Ole Miss is this week. And last on Sunday, it opened up Alabama's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And I've seen some stuff branded on Twitter. The Ole Miss fans, I think they're excited about this game. They really think they got a shot. We know Lane Kiffin's going to throw some stuff at Nick Saban. He always does uh, when in these matchups. I'm going to, I'm going to go – I think Alabama's going to win Saturday. I do. Because I think everybody's jumping on them. Nick Saban's going to use that. This is a classic example. I think when everybody is ready to give up on Alabama, they're going to make a statement. They're going to have a big win. And I also say this. I've watched Ole Miss a little bit. They've been pushed around. Tulane pushed them around. I don't think Ole Miss has got the running game going. Jackson Dart's putting up a lot of yards. But they hadn't really played a a really a team that's going to challenge them defensively like Alabama will. So I think Alabama's going to come out and play great. They're at home. I think they'll win this game. Uh, as we close up our conversation here, what do you think? Um, you know what, Philip? Give me Ole Miss with the point spread, and give me Ole Miss to win outright. Look, I know Ole Miss. Obviously, they struggle with Tulane. You know, their running game hasn't really gotten going, and Jackson Dart's basically having to lead the team. But with that being said, I like Jackson Dart as a quarterback. I think if Bama continues to be as soft as they have been defensively, especially in the secondary, I think that'll be a problem, and that's going to be an advantage for Ole Miss. I think Bama starts 2-2 two and two for the first time since I don't remember when, <laughs> but I think Ole Miss goes into Tuscaloosa and gets a big-time win. Yeah, I don't think they've ever done that under Saban, because even his first year, they started 3-0. and oh. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Get ready for the uh, speculation, the conversation of the uh, end of the uh, dynasty, and perhaps the uh, the retirement rumors for Nick Saban, which he will will scoff at as he did on Pat McAfee last week. But uh, anyways, Brandon, appreciate you hopping on here for a few minutes. Uh, of course, you cover South Florida, but you were there. You saw Alabama in person, so I wanted to get you on and talk about it. Uh, let everybody know where they can uh, find you on the internet. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Heisman Eisman. Uh, you can also find me over at SoFloBulls.com covering the South Florida Bulls. And you can find me on the Sixth Year Podcast, which right now I do on Facebook Live every week. Just search Sixth Year Podcast uh, on Facebook. We'll be on YouTube and all your favorite podcast platforms uh, here in the very, very near future. Uh, Philip. but I do have one question before I go for you and everybody else out there listening. Is Caleb Downs okay after that demolishing hit Naquan Wright gave him? <laughs> on that, no, I wasn't going to mention that because we are in the Wiregrass and it's Alabama. I wanted to keep any Alabama fans happy with me, so we're just I, not going to answer that question. 
<laughs> I brought it up because it was a good hit. Um, look, he was all right, obviously, but it was a really good hit. So It was that. But uh, anyways, Brandon, appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks so much, man. All right, before we close things up, and thanks to Brandon Eisman for coming on. Um, been knowing Brandon for a long time. He's covered different teams uh, in college football in the Southeast. He's covered LSU in the past, Florida State, Arkansas. And now he's covering South Florida. So go, please check Brandon out and all the work he does. So before we get out of here, kind of let you guys know uh, what's going on with this podcast, with this show. So starting on Monday, this show will be daily. Uh, we will come at you every day, Monday through Friday, 20 to 30 minutes, talking all things about sports you care about most in the Wiregrass. So basically the layout will be Monday will be a solo show, me recapping, looking back at the weekend it was. We will talk about high school football on here. Uh, we'll go over everything that happens this weekend, this Friday night in high school football, uh, perhaps have a coach on to talk about their team's victory. And then we'll also break down Alabama, Auburn, Troy, and Florida State's games and what else went on in the Southeast with some of the teams you do care about uh, in college football. So that's what we'll be doing on Monday. And then basically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday will be guests. Uh, Friday, we get you ready for the weekend. We'll go over the high school football slate. So what we were doing with the Wiregrass High School Football Report and this show on Wednesdays is kind of all merging. That's what we're going to be doing here. Like I said, five days a week, 30 minutes, bringing you the content I think people in the Wiregrass would like to know in sports. Not just a football show. Or when basketball comes along, we will talk hoops. You know, we'll probably jump into baseball, too, as well. So with a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool guests will be coming on this show starting on Monday. And I'm real excited about it. So I really am looking forward to you guys, potentially, and hopefully you'll check it out. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Remember, you can find the show at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on social media at pjordansec. You can always email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com. Remember to check out the Jed Kennedy Coaches Show on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock on 96.9 The Legend. But if you miss the radio show, it will be here on this feed at 8.30 on Thursday night as well. And also, remember to check out the Dothan Wolves homecoming. They'll be at home playing Smith Station this Friday. You can listen to all the action on 96.9 The Legend. Pre-game starts at 645. Kickoff is at 7. Hope everybody has a great week. Check all that stuff out. And I'll talk to you guys on Monday morning. I'm looking forward to it. We've got some big game to talk about. Florida State playing Clemson. Auburn, Texas A&M. Troy, Western Kentucky. Alabama's playing on Miss, so we'll look at the SEC and high school football and all that good stuff. I'm really looking forward uh, to Monday's show, kind of the, the new look, the five days a week uh, podcast here at Wiregrass Daily News Sports. But anyways, guys, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Until next time, bye-bye.